0: Amazing. You see, you see, see doctors. the doctors, they don't care because we have no. go You be in its own lane.
1: Sadie mayonnaise. She's at my little victory on the Twitter. That's her permanent username. My little victory and Sadie mayonnaise is her fun screen name. Uh, you know, uh, you should follow her. My sister used to call me uh, Patty mayonnaise because I had a blonde afro just like that beloved classic character, Doug's crush from the show Doug. That was my favorite show as a kid. Later, just slightly superseded by Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, I've related to Doug's introversion, his sensitive nature, and kind of vivid, overactive imagination since I was knee high to a grasshopper. Uh, but yeah, you should follow Saddy Mayonnaise on Twitter, findable at, at MyLittleVictory. And that's my shout out for this week. Oh, and also gonna need to shout out. Uh, at sinecura audio that's s-y-n-e-k-u-r-a audio Uh, and you're gonna need to go check them out uh mike's gaping maw so that's at sinecura underscore audio um, on uh twitter and then we got mike's gaping maw who is at mike's gaping maw on twitter and again my little victory uh, at my little victory or patty Shouting out all them uh, on the Twitters, and uh, that's because I said I would. In any case, here's a little song I made just for y'all. Okay, I'm gonna, as I often do, give y'all sheetheads a little peek behind the curtain. This intro was originally like 40 minutes long somehow, which simply will not do. I mean, I do some long ass intros sometimes, but that's ridiculous, especially when I'm featuring an interview like the banger I have for you today. The intro, this one anyway, must be under 20 minutes. So I cut out a bunch of nonsense I said at the beginning then went through and trimmed it up, there might be a little difference in sound quality and you might hear some little hiccups where I tighten things up a bit, but that's because this is a very special episode and there's no time for bull plop. Don't worry, I'll probably do a mini-sode, maybe a teeny-sode, or maybe even a baby-sode that will uh, be chock full of meaninglessness, uh, but real quick, a very... A quick addition of Haas news is necessary for today
0: it's a Haas, news, Haas news it's a news from house about house you can't listen to it's a house news
1: Okay, Haas news item number one. I posted a video on my YouTube channel that's at bit.ly slash HaasTube. Um, or just search Haas Bossman on YouTube for that. It is a video of me performing Redemption Song, the Bob Marley classic, uh, with my ukulele. Just filmed on my iPhone when I was out of town a few days ago and I'm very happy though with, with how it turned out. So go watch that. Um, give, it a, give it a check out. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Also, uh, here's Haas News item 1.5. I'm in the process of transforming my first bass guitar I ever had into a fretless bass guitar, and I'm documenting that, so I will probably make a video about it soon. Okay, Haas News item number two. Uh, the awesome leftist historian and frequent guest on The Michael Brooks Show, uh, RIP to a real one, both the show and the man. Michael Brooks, who got me into the online leptosphere a few years ago and uh, a couple years ago um, left us too soon. Uh, again, RIP to a real one. But historian Harvey J.K, uh, has agreed to come on Breadsheet. Um, but I got to read his book on Thomas Paine first because that's mostly what I want the convo to focus on. So probably won't do that interview until after Christmas or as Tim and Eric would say, "Crimbus uh, break because I'm going to need that uh, to, to read that book because I just am not going to have time to read a book. Uh, between now and any time that isn't Christmas break because you know I gotta teach these children how to speak English Um, that's uh, Thomas Paine and the Promise of America though is that book and uh, so you'll have a little bit of time to read it before you listen to that uh, episode and I I recommend it I I started it um, and it is very well written Uh, Harvey J.K. is awesome Thomas Paine very interesting figure, my favorite founder by far, and the best founder, I think, objectively. Um, there's no debate on that whatsoever among anyone. Uh, but yeah, Thomas Paine and the Promise of America by Harvey J. K. K-A-Y-E. Uh, awesome. And uh, also, hell, read Common Sense. And if you're feeling real nasty, The Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. Um, super ahead of his time. Stuff reads very much not. Old and boring, the way that a lot of stuff from that era does. Uh, okay, Haas U's ooh, Nightum number three. A new episode of Bread Sheet is out right now and features an interview with Eve Six lead singer. Wait a minute, that's this episode. Get stoked. What a special day this is because I finally was able to get another third of the legendary, alternative, punk-inspired, grunge-defying, but I guess still a little grungish, uh, pop, rocky, awesome band, uh, Eve Six. Uh, yeah, definitely the most famous person I'll have ever had on the show, probably most famous I'll ever have, Mr. Max Collins. He's the lead singer, main songwriter, and uh, bass player for... The legendary band Eve Eve Six, whose hits from 20 years ago you might remember as being they're about a pretty much a three hit wonder, I'd say. They had three real big hits. Um, and uh, they put out three albums before they kind of broke up for a long time, and then they put out a couple since then. Most recently, uh, they put one out on uh, like put on an EP, which is their first album in a, a long while, and it's really good. It's called Grim Value, and uh. Uh, Mr. Max Collins has, uh, they kind of resurfaced uh, in the public zeitgeist, not just with that EP, but before that came out, um, he uh, took over the band's Twitter account or started using it regularly and was just a hilarious uh, force on Twitter and still is. And he's a great Twitter follow. And that's pretty much just at Eve6, e -E v e numeral 6. Um, that's Mr. Max Collins uh, yeah definitely a hero of mine a musical hero uh, and definitely the most famousest person I've ever had on here John Siebels the guitar player uh, graced me with his inimitable presence a few uh, months ago on able, uh, episode uh, 27 or something like that I don't know no offense to Mr. Siebels about me saying Max Collins is more famous than him he's still he's also certainly a famous man but y'all know uh, Mr. Siebels probably more than knows knows that as, as you know max schultz not um, max my guitar player from my all my bands and stuff uh, mr max schultz not max siebel's or uh max collins um uh, but y- y'all know y'all know the lead singer always gets all the love i mean lead guitarist sometimes too i guess if uh he or she is super hella bitchin'. Of course, that wasn't really the case with our band, me, getting all the attention as a lead singer, I mean. I mean, chicks do love uh, drummers and guitarists, and I know that as well. Um, Lead singers and songwriters actually maybe carry around too much, like, sad boy energy or something and uh so they don't get as much of the attention from the ladies The drummers and uh, guitar players are like the cool guys in the band and maybe the lead singer can kind of be the uh this guy seems a little too weird and sensitive um but uh good thing i hung all that up got a beautiful perfect lady and started a podcast instead of making a bunch of new music that uh, the world doesn't need Uh, Doesn't really need more podcasts either, I guess. But, you know, here I am making one. Uh, Reminds me of something uh, Victor Wooten talking about his educational philosophy, bass master Victor Wooten, whom I've been watching a lot of lately. Um, Of course, him speaking a lot about music education, but I love his educational philosophy philosophy, and a lot of his philosophy is really awesome, and he's he's a fun watch, uh, both for his amazing virtuosic bass playing and his awesomeness, but anyway, what I'm talking about here, excuse me, um, it reminds me of something uh, Thirgit Wooten's mama used to tell him, something like, uh, what does the world need with another good musician? There's plenty of them, but the, what the world needs is good people. So, you know, be good people. Um, my name is Hoss Bossman. Today's guest is Max Collins of the All Evie Mighty E6, the All Evie Mike E6. And um, he is good people, believe you me. Um, he is good people. John Sievels is good people. Uh, ben Burgess, who was on the previous episode of Reggie, in which we talk about Dave Chappelle's new special. And he recently, Ben Burgess, was on um, Charlie Kirk's debate show, so that might blow up his spot a little bit, which would be cool, because Ben Burgess definitely deserves it, and he, he rules. He's been a friend of the show since the very beginning, and uh, I want to thank him for that. He has some awesome, interesting, nuanced uh, takes on the, uh, da- the Dave Chappelle special, the newest one, uh, that people were all talking about. And uh, I have some thoughts on it myself, and, you know, essentially... I'll just say I think it was uh, a lot of what he said was uh, pretty not great and um, you know as a non-trans person I certainly would uh, not begrudge anybody taking offense to some of the stuff that he said but I have a few more thoughts about it than just that him being offensive Uh, as did Mr. Ben Burgess and um, I think we talk about it in a way that's both acknowledges the yikes of it but also kind of gets into some of what i think some of the reaction can kind of tell us about where we are right now with discourse i think it's an interesting talk um but uh yeah all that and uh max collins coming up here in just a minute oh yeah and also my name is hoss bossman and you're listening to bread sheet right listen to you listening to me I'm enjoying it myself and I'm so excited to bring you this chat with Max Collins of Eve 6 flame Brian Wilson John Lennon Paul McCartney Uh, George Harrison kind of also the drummer of the Beatles maybe sometimes Uh, Michael Jackson Justin Bieber Prince Kurt Cobain Jimi Hendrix Max Collins what do all these famous men have in common? Well, for one thing, they're all insanely talented musicians and songwriters. I think all of them, actually. I don't know if Justin Bieber writes songs. Um, And yes, I guess he doesn't really belong on this list, but I guess he might. I've never really heard his music, but you know, maybe it's great. Um, I'd say uh, all these folks, though, represent people who are musical geniuses who uh, got started in music at a very early age, and the big thing that differentiates these folks, puts them into two broad categories, is some of them were greeted with fame at an early age, and they went down an awful path as a result of that because you know we're talking about artist types who tend to be like sensitive types and sensitive in a lot of ways i would say and that sensitivity makes them good at artistic expression songwriting and these folks cases but obviously a lot of great musicians and artists go down bad paths especially those who've experienced fame at a really young age and um I think you'll hear in this that Max Collins has a very interesting take of something, some stuff I've been thinking about a lot lately and how, um, like, you know, somebody like Brian Wilson, even though, you know, he survived, he went through years of, um, his mental illness spiraling out of control and, you know, drug abuse and all kinds of issues that he wasn't really being like treated in the right way, um, for his issues that he had. And, you know, I think that, uh, You have somebody like, you know, maybe Paul McCartney uh, seems to have had a relatively healthy life or someone who got as famous as he did as early on. And I don't really know much about his issues, so maybe he's not a great uh, example. But obviously, like, say, Kurt Cobain, highly emotionally intelligent, sensitive artist who obviously spiraled out of control in a lot of ways and, you know, wound up paying the price for it. And all those other folks I mentioned, you know, Jimi Hendrix, um... Michael Jackson, uh, and, you know, Justin Bieber, <laughs> folks who got famous at an early age and experienced a lot of uh, discomfort as a result, discomfort, uh, dis- dis- dysfunction as a result. And, um, you know, uh, Brian Wilson, he ultimately survived, but he, you know, he does not seem like he's in the best shape these days. And he came out on the other side of, you know, drug addiction and a lot of serious issues. Um, the worst for it I think but he still is a great artist he still makes awesome music to this day and he's made some of the most legendary amazing music ever and um, I'd say our our friend friend of the show now new friend of Red Sheet uh, Max Collins he tells a similar story about how well about how he got famous at a really young age and then saw himself falling victim to alcoholism and drug abuse or I don't know about drug abuse but definitely drinking too much partying too much while being on tour you know you think about it and what do you expect when you have somebody especially a sensitive artist type who gets super famous for how good they are at their art and how expressive they are at an early age and then they wind up Uh, you know, because of all that pressure and the world being in that world and the stress that that beats like a touring schedule and, you know, being that famous at such an early age induces, um, it's no wonder a lot of them become, you know, alcoholics, become addicted to drugs and just partying too hard and, you know, having an environment like that, that like, you know, maybe if they had a normal life, they maybe have some uh, I don't know I'm kind of just uh, babbling now so listen to Mr. Max Collins talk about it um, I think he represents a success story he didn't push himself um, to the point of it being unhealthy and he actually talks about in this interview he got sober fairly early on or and you know after a few years and um, the way that he had the emotional maturity and clarity to know that he um, you know once he realized he had the choice to quit touring um like i think touring on their second album that he talks about in this interview that he was able to do it so it's awesome i love max collins again he's a hero of mine and i'm so completely humbled I think it's amazing that he um took the time to talk to me on this little bitty show um so uh yeah uh why don't we just not uh dilly dally here around the bushel um, things are going okay for old Haas here. Uh, and uh, had a little rough patch for a bit there, but now I'm feeling better. And um, without any further ado, other than me saying, uh, follow me on Twitter at Haas underscore Bossman and Instagram also, uh, and Twitch where I be streaming some uh live music or me playing some music and stuff like that. Uh, and that's at Haas underscore Bossman on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Also, uh, I have a YouTube channel that's just Haas Bossman. Got some uh, awesome video essays on there and covers of songs and stuff. Uh, You can find all my stuff at www.haas.fun. So go do that. And without any further ado, here is Mr. Max Collins of the Great legendary band uh, Eve Six, just spitting some mad truth. This is a pretty short uh, interview, so savor it and listen to it multiple times. Um, Make sure you tell your friends about this show, Richie, available on Apple Podcasts and everywhere. Fine pods are casted, and uh, leave a review, uh, give me a rating and a review, and please recommend this show to uh, your friends and whatnot, and uh, without any... Now, really, no further ado, here's Max Collins' theme song I made for him, followed by his interview on Bread Sheet, let's eat the bread.
2: My answer to that is always so predictable, grim value, because it's absurd. Honesty is what makes the thing cool. Honesty is, Honesty is what makes the thing. Honesty cool is what cool. makes the thing coachy. Cool. Yeah, the thing cool. This is magic. This is, this is, magic. Magic. This is, this is magic. magic. This is magic. Oh, that's wrong. Uh uh. Myth metal summers, new metal summers made me feel like made I was in Like I was in dream. I also don't want to know exactly what I'm talking about in the dietary right? So you don't know we get Shout out to Max. Songs that don't at least have a moment that some would find cringe-worthy or whatever are often songs that not a whole lot of people care about.
1: Hello. How's it going, man? It's going great. How you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Sorry to keep switching it up on you over here.
1: Oh, hey, no problem at all. Sorry that we had to start like 30 minutes late. I have like a bunch of stuff that... because. First of all, it's a big Eve Six fan. Um, you know, there was a big gap where there was no music, so that was a bummer. Uh, but I was definitely there, like when the the album came out in 2012, and uh, you know, was very excited about that. And I think that album like still holds up really well. I still listen to it quite a bit. Um, but those first two albums, uh, especially the second one, that those I just listened to constantly. My friend, actually, my good friend Max and I. He's uh, like my best friend and like lifelong uh, musical collaborator. Listen to those like constantly when uh, when we were younger, and it was really the second one, and it was around the time like Green Day's Warning, um, uh, Borders and Boundaries by Less Than Jake, and yeah. a, a couple of other like super formative albums for me that were so like you know your songwriting and everything was. Um, and, you know, just even like down to the production on y'all's albums and everything was like super influential to both of us as uh, musicians. So thank you for that.
2: Oh, thank you. That's awesome.
1: And thanks so much for for taking some time to talk to me today. Um, My pleasure. Well, I'll try and get the kind of uh, the dumb interview questions out of the way first. The ones that you probably hear a lot like uh, um, when did you first start? Playing music and more importantly, like writing songs, I know that first album came out when y'all were in your late teens um, how how many w- was that first record did it represent like the first batch of songs you'd ever finished, or had you done other stuff before that?
2: um that first record was definitely i'm trying to think i probably I wrote like my first song like the end of freshman year of high school uh and i would say most of the songs on the first eve 6 record were were written junior year and senior year of high school uh so yeah i mean there wasn't wasn't much daylight <laughs> between like first first figuring out sort of how the craft works to uh, making the songs that would that would be on the record. Uh, what got me into music in the first place was just being transported by it in a way that I've come to see as maybe slightly unique. I mean, obviously everyone is... You know, uh, not everyone, but most people are are affected by by music in some way or another. Um, I I had this <laughs> I had this moment where I heard a Tom Petty song on the radio for the first time when I was like eight or something, and it was running down a dream off Full Moon Fever, and it was so transporting to me that I still remember that moment in great detail. Um, remember exactly where I was, time of day or night, um, and just thinking, this is magic. What is this magic? You know, like, it's just like, uh, you know, made me feel like I was in a dream, you know? Um, and that began what was, I think, yeah, an obsession at a very young age with music and uh buying records and that's where all of my you know allowance money or whatever would would go to that um and i just found i yeah i found a kind of like uh uh, sounds funny to put it this way. Cause I was like a, I was a little kid and a, and a, and a reasonably happy kid too. Like I had a good childhood and stuff like that, but there was something about music that was like offered this sort of like relief or something like, uh, like, I don't know. I could sort of, uh, escape into it. And, uh, and yeah so that that i petty is has been the through line for me I, I love him as much today as i did when i first discovered him more probably and uh and yeah that that's what started me kind of on this path i didn't i didn't start to play um i didn't pick up an instrument until i was like 13 years old a family friend had like a, a an old weird old like beetle bass replica it was like it was a piece of junk basically it was like not a good base, but it looked like a beetle bass and uh they were giving it away so i i got that and started to kind of mess around on that um and again that once i started to do that that led to that's the only thing i wanted to do was just <laughs> play the bass and like rip tablature out of guitar magazines at newsstands and fold them and put them in my pocket and take them home and try my best to like figure out songs that were on the radio at the time. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Music just really uh, impressed itself upon me as a kid. And, and I, I became obsessed with it kind of all or nothing obsessed with, with music and once I realized it was something I could actually participate in um you know all bets were off it's just all I wanted to do
1: well, I mean you're a uh you're a great lyricist and also a really great like undersung bla- bass player like I think um people don't I, I think with uh when you when you're the main songwriter and singer and bass player it's like You know, people maybe talk about those three things in that probably singer, songwriter, bass player in that order. Um, And uh, I feel like, you know, whenever I read write ups about y'all, the uh, John Siebels gets all the love for his musicianship, but I don't see as much about your, your bass playing. Um, and uh, you know, I'm a uh a, a singer and songwriter, and you know, usually the lead singer in most of my projects I've been in, and my main instrument is bass. So I was I was very gratified when I first learned that oh, this Eve Six, their uh their singer is also their bass player. That's like me. You know, we're kind of a small club. It's like Fat Mike, uh Getty Lee, right? <laughs> a couple other people. Um but uh, yeah, so I um well that that is that's awesome. I mean I, I never would have thought uh, Tom Petty really, but now that you mention it, it kind of makes sense. Y'all have kind of a I can see a, a lineage there. There's a, a similar kind of DNA as far as like y'all's uh, lyricism. That's sort of hard for me to put into words, but um uh you especially uh well I mean I'd, I'd say like on all your records up to the very newest uh, EP um you know, you, you, you mentioned in, uh, I watched, I only watched like maybe the first half of this, uh, did like an hour and a half long thing with the the needle drop. And I just found that like yesterday. So I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but, um, I, uh, and I, one of the things you mentioned was how, uh, you was how, like, you didn't have like a great understanding of melody when you were younger or like, you didn't. You felt like, you know, you didn't have that. And so you sort of made up for it with this um, more kind of rhythmic. Could you maybe like just reiterate that? Because I'm probably like butchering what you said right
0: now.
2: No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. I I, I, I think I, in the beginning with those first couple records, I definitely uh, compensated for a lack of sort of natural melodic sensibility with kind of the rhythm and phrase of words by cramming a whole lot of words into a bar, uh, a whole lot of syllables. And uh, I think playing, playing with words was, I mean, it still is really fun for me, even though I write different very differently now than I did when I was 17 years old. But, um, uh, I, I'm more interested in the way that words sound together than I am. Uh, I I, I prioritize that over what I'm saying (laughs) for the most part. Um, That's not to say that what I'm saying doesn't matter or isn't important. It's like, I know when it feels right and when it doesn't feel right but I also don't need to know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's often revealed later to me anyway. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, and I think that ended up being a thing that served the band, Uh, you, you know, I think it sort of distinguished us a little bit from other stuff that was happening on like, modern rock radio at the time that, and just having electric guitars on the record at all, because when that first record came out like alternative music on commercially on the radio, there, there, I guess, a lot like today, there really wasn't a lot of guitar. Um, there was a lot of like Lilith Fair stuff. There was a lot of whatever wave of techno was going on. Um, <clears throat> and then of course, when we put our second record out, and it was a very much you know standard tuning pop rock record that was in the midst of the new metal <laughs> new metal summer so we we've always found ourselves kind of misplaced uh you know in the in the landscape in which our records came out um but I think it's interesting that someone like you, who obviously was listening to punk rock um and you cited like horoscope our second record is one of your favorites at a time when your other favorites were less than jake and what was the other one you said uh warning by green day that's warning people by always green
1: you know people, a lot of people hate on that one because it is kind of a less punk it's it's kind of a more singer songwritery album but that's still to this day is my favorite green day album
2: i know a lot of people love that record i i didn't get it as much um i'm probably older than you i uh I discovered Green Day with Kerplunk when they toured with um, Bad Religion for Bad Religion's Generator Tour. So this was a couple of years before Dookie came out. And um, Kerplunk just blew me away. Uh, uh, 1039 blew me away. I discovered that second. And then I thought Dookie was incredible too. I sort of fell off Green Day after that but um like my point was it's funny cuz when i listen to those first 6 records i don't really hear our own like pop punk influence coming through very much uh you know the the production sort of took it to more of a radio rock place mm-hmm. and and my voice did too in a weird way um but but uh People like you and we hear it a lot sort of had this intuition about us that maybe we did sort of come from that place and they were right um that's you know in in high school that's all all we listened to john and i the guitar player and i um and we were rabid you know record collectors shopped by label all of that stuff and then uh (laughs) i went on to have a radio rock hit (laughs) but um but, yeah, we definitely come from come from that milieu, at least, like, influence-wise, however much or little it, it ended up, uh, you know, presenting that way on the records.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you said that was, like, your first show you went to, uh, Green Day and Bad Religion. Uh, I,
2: I should say I didn't actually go. Like, one of my best oh, okay. friends did and came back with Kerplunk.
1: Oh, right on. Um, yeah. That was my my... <laughs> Max and I, that was our first show that we ever went to was, uh, we went for for Less Than Jake mainly. Uh, it was uh, Less Than Jake, Hot Water Music, and Bad Religion at the Tabernacle. But it was, th- they were on the Process of Belief Tour. So it was their first tour with Brooks Wackerman on the drums. And yeah. I mean, it was just transformative. And I mean, that was like, they really... Uh, you know, that talk about a band who had an amazing comeback after the '90s. Like they, they really put out like a string of awesome records
2: after the '80s. Even like, wasn't their first record in like '89 or something like that? Like they were, yeah, yeah. Bad Religion is still the band I've seen live more than any other band. I think I've seen them like five times or something.
1: Same um, here. Round round that for me
2: too. Yeah, uh, huge fan. Like for me, it's probably Generator. Against the Grain, No Control, those were my records. Again, I'm older, so I, like, by the time, uh, you know, their bigger records came out, like, you know, the Redux version of 21st Century Digital Boy and all that, I had sort of moved on and was listening to, like, kind of more, uh, like, I was into the K Records catalog uh sort i was sort of getting more into it was still punk music but punk music that touched power pop more hmm. um and as i started to write songs more that's just where i found my my taste grav- gravitating toward um but yeah that religion is will always be a favorite
1: That yeah um and it's interesting like you know, I those are some probably against the grain. It's probably my second favorite album after Process of Belief. Um, and I could talk about Bad Religion all day. In fact, my friend Max and I—I I shouldn't say this on the podcast—but we've been talking about and kind of planning out a song by song Bad Religion podcast. Um, cool. especially because these guys I know, like uh, recently, or they started like a year or two ago, a Propagandhi song by song podcast and it's just yeah, like yeah. completely blown up and uh yeah. members of the band have been on it and stuff so like hey maybe we can uh you know work some of that magic too it's a, um, that's
2: a great idea have me back for that i'd love to oh, do that
1: hell yeah um uh so yeah those <laughs> and like kind of going back and you know i'm 33 so i would have been you know uh the I started playing around the same time and that's when we were really, you know, heavily listening to y'all's second record, especially and all those I mentioned. Um, and then, you know, Process of Belief came out and then kind of went back and discovered those albums from the late 80s, early 90s. And then, you know, I imagine it's like just this the same thing with, you know, musicians' kids today, you know, like they find the newer stuff and then they'll go back and find like uh, their the older stuff but then also their their influences and i mean i'm kind of all like right now i'm starting to actually appreciate like the really like gritty nasty punk that i never really could get my head around like reagan youth and stuff like that yeah um, you
2: know. uh, yeah totally it's it's that's the best way to uh to get bands like that that without without The context of having them have been, uh, you know, influencing bands that you love and can more easily get. Um, I, I I totally know that, uh, that thing, you know, it's like when it just informs the way you listen to and appreciate a thing, knowing that someone else that you love, that it was easy for you to love, loved it.
1: Yes, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, that's so much stuff which, which I I think maybe you know, not to be an old dude, but like the you know, I think kids miss out on it today by not having liner notes. It's like so many bands I discovered by reading the thank yous in uh yeah. you know, records I bought. Um but uh okay, so I know, you know, I mentioned that uh Anthony fontano show that you were on. Um another thing you mentioned on that was uh how you uh, wrote songs about stuff that you maybe didn't fully understand at that age. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, I think anybody who's writing songs that be as a teenager, you know, you have to just write about stuff you don't understand. Otherwise you're just writing about like you know, pee pee and poo poo or whatever, <laughs> but yeah. um you know, I was, I was like writing about politics when I was like 13. And really, honestly, my views on that stuff hasn't really changed much since then. But you know, I was writing like anti-war songs and shit like that. When I was like, you know, completely, I'm sure nobody took it seriously uh, coming out of me. But um, some of those early topics that you uh, wrote about, um, you know, it's a lot of relationship stuff. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I guess the question sort of like, how is your outlook on some of them changed but i'm kind of thinking of like this one of the best little quotes from my chat with uh, your guitarist john sievels we mentioned a couple times um something about how his views have changed on songs about a guy and i think the the exact phrase he used was complaining how fucked up his girlfriend is and now having more of a response of oh you're probably an asshole Um, Can you speak to that sort of change or evolution? You know, since you're the main lyricist, I've definitely had just so many things that not just songs, but like so many things I've written over the years that I look back on and I'm like, man, I I had like a toxic attitude about this or that. Do you have any like uh, revelations like that?
2: Yeah, I think. I think when you're writing songs as a teenager, yeah, you're often in the business of rationalizing your own perspective on a thing i mean that's probably true for you know doing it now too i'm and and you sort of need to commit to um to a perspective in order to make something that uh to make a song that's interesting i mean if if you if you're not willing to do that then uh, you're just not going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a confused thing. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I sort of think songs are a good place to uh, yeah, sort of exercise those, those demons. I mean, you don't, you know, like, I mean, that's what art is for, you know, you don't need to have it all figured out in the song. If you did, you'd be doing self-help music or something like that. So I think it's, I think it's good to indulge sometimes your, uh, you know, I mean, darker is the wrong word. If we're talking about like Eve six music, it's not like we, we, we really like got extremely deep, or existential but um
1: but maybe like letting your your lizard brain just do its thing yeah. a little bit to be more authentic well
2: something like that 100% 100%. I mean that's just ro- what rock and roll is and that that doesn't mean that you like need to like die by whatever perspective you you had in a moment and made this 3 minute song about um in your life it, that ought to be compartmentalized you know
1: yeah um yeah, that uh the last episode i i don't know if you know any country music at all you know being a a west coaster you're, you're west coast your whole life pretty much right
2: i grew up out here i was born in new york city then miami florida but moved out here when i was like 11
1: okay so um yeah the uh recently tom t hall was like one of my favorite uh songwriters country dude uh died and one of one of the things that i had like a, a you know, comedian and musician on uh, last episode to talk about him, just kind of remember him. And you know, one of the things about him was that like he was like kind of corny, but in a way that was like he wasn't afraid to be corny, and oh, yeah, yeah. in a way that was like kind of uh, brought a weird sort of like fuck you to his his attitude about everything.
2: No, hundred percent. I mean, I've said this before. I think like songs that don't um at least have a moment that some would find cringe worthy or whatever are often songs that not a whole lot of people care about i feel like corniness or or cringe or whatever sometimes it can be crass shit commercialism you know transparent stuff that's two thumbs down not good but it can also be guilelessness and uh, honesty, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, um, that can often be more art than something that tries to protect itself behind like layers of, of aesthetic cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I very much see music and songs that way. And if I do have that knee jerk reaction to sort of name something as being corny, I I try to get a little bit curious about why. Um, And often it's because they're just being very human. And that's not and that makes me uncomfortable, you know, but that doesn't make it less of a work.
1: Yeah, no, that that's a that's a very uh interesting and 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 good. Yeah, definitely could not have said that better. I mean, uh I think that makes yeah, a lot of people um whenever like with, you know, I'm a teacher and when all like I'm an English teacher with high schoolers and so, you know, they're oh. way too cool for fucking everything and you know, whenever I like, you know, try to like kind of get um, you know, sentimental with them or whatever. It makes them so uncomfortable, but like I could tell that it 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 actually does, you know, speak to them in, the, in the, the long run.
2: Well, and I think the distinction is it's like it's I saw a Norm MacDonald clip recently where, you know, where he tells David Letterman that he loves him. But before he does, he says he, he speaks on sentimentality for a second. And then he says, but it's not sentimental if it's true. I love you, man. And. So, so like something can have like sort of the, the appearance of sentimentality, but I mean, if it's honest, honesty is what makes a thing cool to me, whether it is, whether it presents as cool to the world or presents as the opposite of cool to the world. If I feel like it's honest, um, it's cool to me, you know, those are like synonyms. In right on my, like lexicon at least when it comes to like to art you know
1: mm-hmm. for sure yeah um so i'm mindful of your time and i gotta make sure i get these two questions in because i texted my friend max and uh, asked him if there were any, anything he wanted to ask you. And he said, what made you, what made him want to become just a singer? I think you just did that for one album, right? Where you dropped the bass and you were just a stand-up singer. So what, what, what was the deal with that? Was it, you just wanted to change or what?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, shout out to max. Uh, yeah, it was paradoxically, uh, because you would think maybe the opposite. But honestly, it was insecurity. Um, it was sort of feeling like the show as a three-piece with me holding the bass wasn't enough. And this was after we did like eight months of touring with Third Eye Blinds, where you know the singer of that band is all, all, all bluster and bravado, stomping all over the stage. And I was comparing myself or us to that and thinking, Oh, I'm grounded here. i am stuck to the microphone. We're going to bore people to tears. If we're going to level up, the show needs to level up. Um, which was stupid because I, I, I wasn't comfortable like that. Um, and, you know, I think it took us an album cycle basically to go back to, to me playing the bass, but yeah, that was the, that that, that's what made us do that.
1: Okay. Um, The other question he had was, uh, have you ever met anybody named Max that you liked? I've only met one. I guess anybody, another person named Max who you liked.
2: Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, There's a fellow who's in this new fountains of Wayne cover band that we're doing named Max Bernstein. And uh, he, he's a, he's a fabulous guy and fabulous guitar player, Um, all-around great dude. Uh, I'm trying to think if I know any other Maxes. It's crazy how rare a name it still is. I feel like there's a lot of, like, people are naming their kids Max now um, with kind of some frequency. So, uh, uh, but yeah, there's not, there still aren't a lot of people named Max in our, you know, broad age group
1: yeah it's a it's a pretty rare name and i think like you know especially in the 90s i mean that's a badass name to have like a name with an x in it like x was all over everything yeah so you know um, yeah so uh i I don't want to take up too much of your time here or too much more of your time here you know usually this is a uh supposed to be a political podcast but when i have musicians on i can't help but like you know talk about music uh a lot of the a good chunk of the time but um you know i guess i'll just throw out a couple of these and you know could maybe just be your last uh little uh answer here um cool do you, okay so i'll, I'll kind of just run down my uh political music i think has you know you obviously being a fan of bad religion and you know punk rock like uh don't have this attitude of like political music is too you know it's preachy or whatever like as a rule um, or you know, maybe you do, and just think those uh, bands are uh, exceptions. Um, but I don't know, do you like any political art, political bands? Um, and and you know, what what do you think makes something an effective piece of political art? I mean, y'all have never really been like lyrically very political, but like you're obviously super like opinionated on politics. So I guess that's kind of a two-part question. you know, why do you shy away from it and, uh do you think you shy away from it you know I,
2: yeah i i i definitely well I, I i didn't become like politically awake until well after eve 6 made its you know first four records like i just didn't mm-hmm. think about any of that stuff um uh, you know o- over the course of the band what like my concerns were you know, as we got successful and everything was getting loaded. And then once the wheels fell off of that, uh, you know, my, I basically threw myself headlong into uh, learning how to live and not be loaded. <laughs> and those that, you know, those were like my extracurricular activities. Um, uh, we have Eve six, uh, has, uh, a new record, uh, 10 songs that I think we're going to be putting out in, in two EPs. And, uh, we get pretty overtly political in places, uh, on, on this record for sure. I think what makes, uh, political music interesting or not, for me is whether it touches the philosophical, whether it touches like human experience, like and emotion along with whatever the political agenda is or not. Like I recently listened to the operation Ivy record and, uh, you know, it's an incredibly political record. Um, but it's also, it's also just like pouring over with like human emotion, disillusionment feelings that can be identified with. Um, Sleaford Mods is one of my favorite current bands and he writes politically in, in that way too. I mean, in a very different way from Operation Ivy, but in a way that, um, yeah isn't preachy it's not someone just like you know uh pointing out in a very rote way all the things that are bad that's not interesting to me mm-hmm. you know um it's 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 got to get to a deeper kind of human level that's attended to that
1: okay yeah i mean uh, Operation Ivy, one of my favorite bands. Uh, but you know, Jesse Michaels, have you ever listened to the other stuff Jesse Michaels has made like common writer and classics of love since then? Um,
2: I bought the big rig. Uh, this is again, probably before your time. I want to say it's one of the first projects you did after Operation Ivy. And I had, uh, I had that EP, I think it was like, or maybe it was like three or four songs on a seven inch. Um, but that's all I've, I've heard of his other stuff.
1: That's uh, that's the uh, the only one I haven't really listened to. It's not as I think it's up on YouTube, so I should listen to it at some point. But it's not like up on you know Spotify and whatnot. Um, but uh, that's one. You know, that was another huge around that time. Maybe just a pinch later was discovering you know loving Operation Ivy and discovering Common Writer and this dude Jesse Michaels who was just this sort of uh hippie ska punk dude that just had uh, just has some of the most profound like his music is all very political or most of it so it's some really great love songs on those albums too it's just two common writer records last wave rockers and this is unity music and then there's only one full length of his newer ish band classics of love which i've just been listening to that you know, I kind of it was it came out in like 2012, but I just kind of discovered it somewhat recently and just have been spinning that nonstop for the past like month or two. Um, so highly recommend those, but cool. I'll check them out. Um, but besides uh, my taste and recommending other artists, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I'm, you know, I know you said 30 minutes. So what, um, you know, where, where I know people I'm sure listening know that you're awesome on Twitter. You're just at Eve6 on Twitter, numeral six, right? That's exactly right. Yes. Okay. Um, yep. Any other y'all like on Instagram, anything like that you want to tell people about other than the the new record and whatnot?
2: Yeah. Um, uh. Instagram is also at Eve6. And I think I might start doing a little bit of chaos over there as well, actually. We'll see how that goes um dogs going crazy, neighbor's dogs going crazy uh and yeah we have a new ep out um that came out a few months ago called grim value that's in all the likely spots um and we have a new single coming out in november and we're going to try to release basically a song a month for the better part of a year so lots of new eve six music coming out
1: Hell yeah. Awesome. And anybody who hasn't heard uh grim value, it is definitely one of my favorite records I've heard in like the past decade. So, wow. Thank you. That means a lot. Well, I thank you for making an awesome record. I had a few questions about that, but you know, maybe, maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk again sometime. Um I, uh, you know, I'll leave the the new record kind of just a mysterious piece of music without hearing stuff uh, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Um, oh. Cool. But uh, yeah, well, thank you so much again. And um, if, if there's nothing else you'd like to tell my, my audience, uh, have a wonderful day.
2: Thank you so much. This was, this was really cool. And yeah, let's, well, let's definitely do it again when some of this new stuff comes out. We can talk about Grim Value and that as well.
1: Right on. All right, man, take awesome. it easy.
2: You too, man. Thanks so much. Peace. My answer to that is always so predictable. Grim Value. Honesty is what makes the thing cool. Honesty is, cool. is what makes the thing. Honesty cool is what makes the thing coachy. Cool. What makes the thing coachy? Cool. This is magic. This is, this is, magic. Magic. This is, this is magic. magic. This is magic. Oh, that's wrong. Uh uh. Ms. Addle Summers, Ms. Addle Summers made me feel like made I was me in a dream. Like I was in the way like I was sleeping. I also don't want to know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's hard to know. There's no real center. Songs that don't at least have a moment that some would find cringeworthy or whatever are often songs that not a whole lot of people care about.
1: And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Britchy. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, And thanks again to Mr. Max Collins. That was huge for me getting to interview him and just have like a great conversation with him. Uh, this podcast is proving to be a great excuse for me to have like good long conversations with people that I love and respect. And uh, you know, we didn't speak for as long as I would have wanted to, but hey, when the he, as he said, I'm gonna hold him to it. Said that when their uh, next album, when the full length comes out, he is going to uh, join me again here on Bridge and then also that idea for a podcast uh, that he mentioned that he also wanted to do that. So I'm gonna hopefully we'll be uh, interacting with Mr. Max Collins Moore again huge for me just uh, as a songwriter and a bass player and a singer I respect him so much and he was just again a foundational uh, musical influence for me and I just appreciate it so much Uh, I am Haas Bossman Uh, you can find me at www.haas.fun I'm at Haas underscore Bossman on like Twitter Instagram and Twit which is uh, short for Twitch Uh, And probably other stuff, too. I think I have a Facebook page. I think it's Haas Bossman Rules. Uh, Is that one? And uh, then uh, other stuff, probably. Oh, check out the Haas Bossman YouTube channel. It is a different thing from this podcast. Uh, So... All the stuff on there is like not stuff that is also on the podcast. That makes sense. Anyway, uh, I love you all. Make sure you go back and revisit uh, Eve Six's earlier albums. I'm sure you've already listened to, and if you haven't, you should, their new EP, Grim Value. Uh, If you have not heard that, check it out. It is awesome. One of my favorite new releases of like in a very, very long time. I guess like probably since the newest Propagandi album came out in like 2017. Um, Maybe the newest, Bad Religion, which I think is a pretty good album. But uh, this Eve 6 album, Grim Value, just super refreshing. So definitely check that out if you haven't. Go revisit their uh, first couple albums as well. Um, my favorites are the first two and then the fourth album, which came out in 2012. There's a big gap between that, the, the third one and that one. Um, the third one's also very good, but I think the first two. And then um, Speak in Code is the uh, so it's the self-titled First one, horoscope. The second one, and then speak in code is the 2012 one, and it is really, really good. It's got, it's it feels like classic Eve six. This newer EP, Grim Value, feels a lot differently, um, but uh, but feels a, a little bit more, um, you know, a little more raw, and it's got a like simplicity to it. It's very punk rock, uh but it's great, and or and it's great. That's not a but kind of statement. Punk rock is great. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Uh, again, www.haus.fun. I would uh, – that's not where Eve6 is. Eve6 is at Eve6, at Eve numeral 6, E-V-E numeral 6 on the Twitter, and I believe it's just that, .com for their main website. Um, You know, you can find those albums on all the normal places, uh, the Apple Musics, the Spotify's of the world, all that stuff, Um, all them places, Amazon Music, maybe even, Uh, maybe Tidal, I don't know about that, but, and, uh, what else, oh, I would play this episode out, like, right out on an Eve 6 song, but they are, uh, you know, famous, so their stuff is, like, owned by record labels and stuff, so I would definitely get a copyright pop for that, so, uh, I'm gonna write out on that rap song I played in the beginning, the rap thingy I made, um, because, which is called Lyrically Blessed, by the way. That's the name of the song. Um, because I kind of spent a lot of time, and put a lot of effort and energy into making that, so <laughs> I should probably not waste it. So stick around, listen to that. Next spreadsheet's probably gonna be a mini-sode. First one in a very long time. I'm gonna do segments and rundown stuff. Anyway, here's that rap again, and uh, make sure that you flood the souls of all beings you encounter sentient or otherwise with healing light as you move through this sick sad world love ya
0: Your little tiny, sticky ass, but to the test Because to lyrically assess this lyrical mess That you're getting into, you're gonna need an address Book to look up all the rappers that I dissed All the lame little poopers who shot and missed Got trouble so sharp like a snake when I hiss Got bass so fat they put me on a list Of people who cannot fly on a plane Cause when I climb aboard, it's really insane Try to get it off the ground, but it all is in vain Cause my big fat booty should be in its own lane of the highway, when I'm driving in my car People are waving at me, cause I know who I are Hot boss man, made of ice cream cones I said Sleep every night on a pile of bones All so the rappers who tried to battle me Drippin' with blood, sweat, semen, to pee Hoss, boss, man, when I eat your face And open my mouth when you spread me with me Said it ain't easy, makin' all these tunes scanning just like Scandinavian runes I crush your ear balls every month or so So strap in, red sheets, ready to go